we've sort of picked up on the thought of the prophets and uh, are interested in how God worked His Word into their hearts. It is a splendid thing. It is an amazing thing how the Lord will pour the Word into you. He will stir it, mesh it, mix it, blend it so that that Word is not something separate from you, something that you can leave behind a certain part of the day and pick up another part of the day but it becomes life within you. It is a living Word of God. And it operates in you no matter where you're at. I guess I could ask the question this morning, have have you ever had a word from God? Has there ever been a, a time in your life that you came to the to the forks of the road and God Almighty spoke to you through His Word and said, this is the way that I want you to go. Certainly, if you're saved here tonight, you had an initial word from God. You had to have had. God came to you with a word of salvation and it was not just for the ears, it was for the heart. It was a converting word. It was a changing word. It was a word that God put in you and he is interested in his word being in us tonight. I was in a meeting and the pastor asked if there were those that wanted to testify as to whether they had a favorite verse or not. And like popcorn, they began to come up one after another and they would speak a verse. And he gave them the opportunity to say something about that verse and each one of them would share a little excerpt of an experience in their life with the Lord to where that word became so real to them. The blessedness about that word, once it gets into your heart, once it mixes and meshes and once it blends, that word that God has given you will carry you. I've not been able to get that off of my mind. I'm glad that Christian life is not the energy of the flesh, but it is the power of the living word of God within us. You could never finish the task if it were not so. But the same word that created that that ark was the word that carried Noah through the storm and set him down on dry ground. The same word of a revelation of the grace of God to the Apostle Paul is the same word that carried him read the Bible, read his writings. It is that word that energized him and carried him all the way to the end, to the very chopping block. I'll tell you, it makes it a little easier. Matter of fact, 
It's impossible without it, but it makes it a little easier when you're writing the Word. Amen. Nine years ago, the Lord came to me pastoring in the mountains of North Carolina, and He said, I want you to go into evangelism. I got a word on that. I wrestled for two years with it. But oh, what a definite word it was. And for these nine years, we have been able to ride that word across this country. <laughs> In the times when it looked like the bills wasn't going to be paid, the word let us ride. When it seemed as though that the meeting was going nowhere, we could ride the word. <laughs> Riding the word. For as far and as long as the word has, has determined to take you. Somebody said, how long are you going to be in evangelism? I said, till I get another word. You see, God doesn't just run around chitter-chatting every day. Everybody thinks God just always telling you something to do every day, every day, every day, every day. No, he don't do that. He'll give you a word and he'll carry you until you need another word. And every other word that you get is connected to that word that he gave you. And you just ride that word on through. Ooh, I love that, don't you? <laughs> just riding the word. <laughs> Somebody said, John, what are you doing, buddy? He said, I'm riding the word out of the wilderness. I'm just riding it on a breeze right up through here. He said, I'm the voice of one crying out of the wilderness. And I've jumped on the back of the word and I'm riding on up through here with a message. Whoo, boy. Mama, has God ever given you a word about that daughter that you can ride through the storm? In that time of prayer, as the preacher was talking about this morning, has he ever give you a word about that son that you've been trying to carry but the word has spoken to you and you've been able to ride that word when it looked like you wasn't going nowhere. <laughs> hey, preacher, when the church seemed to be going down instead of up and the offerings were, were off and, and you had some grumblers and complainings and those that were jumping ship, did you get a word when you wrote in there? Well, that word will ride you until you need to go out if it wants you out. <laughs> Thank God. For the word that is meshed and mixed and stirred and conformed into our lives. Now, with each one of these prophets, it seemed as though that the word mixed and meshed a personal message as it does in each one of us. God has a word. And don't think I'm just talking to preachers tonight. God has a word, a blessed word for you. Amen. Young man, God has a word for you as far as marriage is concerned. Young lady, God has a word for you as far as marriage is concerned. And you better have that word so you can ride that word throughout that marriage. Amen. Because there will be the ups and the downs. And the times when you might want to bail out, but that word just won't let you. 
You can remember that day when God spoke to your heart and said, this, this is it. <laughs> That's why folks don't stick long in churches. They never got a word when they come in. They don't need one when they leave. Hmm? <laughs> they just pick and choose. But, honey, if you ever get somebody in your church that God gave them a word, you can smack them in the face. They ain't going nowhere. Because they got a word that will ride them through your good preaching and your bad preaching. Yeah. <laughs> and there'll be some of both. <laughs> Riding it out. Oh! It's the mouth, the word of God, the blessed word of God. As Ezekiel said, the word come to me and said, get up. And said, as the word spoke, I found myself on my feet. Didn't sound like he did a whole lot. Just ride that word. <laughs> ride that word. It's got a flavor to it. But I want to look at John the Baptist. I want to look at the particular word that God worked in him. Thank God tonight for the special words that he has worked into each one of your lives that has brought you to where you are at in a definite way in spite of the circumstances. And you can stand and say, come hell or high water, I am where God has put me. And I'm doing what God has told me to do. I have a word on that. John chapter number 3, again, verse 23. And John also was baptizing in Anon near to Salim because there was much water there. And they came and were baptized. For John was not yet cast into prison. Then there arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. They came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizeth. And all men come to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said, I'm not the Christ, but I am sent before him. Verse number 30. He must increase but I must decrease there is the danger tonight of you and I even in our religious operations 
overshadowing the very word that God has placed in our hearts and lives. The ultimate word is the word himself, which is Christ. That was the message that was given to John, a message of Christ, prepare ye the way of the Lord. But John said, in this message that God has given me, the way it's working inside of me is that it's a message that's making me little. Or making me less so that he can be preeminent and exalted. The ultimate goal of the word of God in your life is to make Christ seen. But the only way that Christ can be seen and can be magnified is that you and I must, he said, decrease so that he will increase. We can hinder our word. So often we get in the way of our word. We try to adjust our word or fix our word. But, but John said the, the, the key to this thing is if, if you've got a word, if you want a word, what that word's going to do to you primarily is it's going to make you little. It's going to have a decreasing effect. I thought about that. I thought about uh, the Apostle Paul. What he said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 7, I've never seen it in this light, but he said, lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations. He said, "I've, I've had some words from God. But he said, the danger of having the words from God is that I should be exalted. And amazing that the danger of God saving us and God uh, giving us of His Spirit and God filling us with His Word, the very, the very danger that can erupt out of that is that we can become exalted above measure. But if you'll notice, he said there was a cure for that. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, but notice this, the messenger. (laughs) He said, I got another word. (laughs) He said, I got a word, and then I got another word. And he said it was a messenger of Satan to buffet me lest I should be exalted above measure. You see, he had the insight to know that even a messenger of Satan could become a word of God in his life. Because it could keep him from becoming exalted. 
Isn't that amazing how God works with his word? <laughs> you'll send somebody into your life to just tell you who you really are. And you'll get so mad and go blame the devil. And it probably was the devil in that person. But you had no idea that God was behind the scene that had a word back in the word. To try to keep you from being exalted. Because the ultimate goal of the word of God is to exalt Christ, as I say, and to magnify Him. So my thought tonight is, John had to become less than his message. Now we must establish the fact that John is a big fella and, and uh, you know, it's a wonder to me as to how much less can a man become that all he eats is bugs and a little bit of honey and lives in the wilderness. I mean, he doesn't have none of the fineries of life. Which says to me, if John needed to be less, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I could use a dose of lessness, couldn't you? <laughs> oh, he's a big man. I, I, I used to preach a sermon many years ago on John. I, I titled him Big Bad John. He was big. There was no doubt about it. The, the, Jesus himself uh, testified as to his bigness. He said, I say, verily I say unto you, among them there are born of women, there hath not risen greater than John the Baptist. I'm going to tell you something. Jesus says you're big, you're big. (laughs) He's a big man as far as his uh, comparison is concerned. Jesus said he's, he's the biggest born or the greatest born among women. He's big as far as his connections are concerned. Why, they came to him in Luke 3.15 and the Bible said the people were in expectation and all men mused in their hearts of John whether he was Christ or not. Well, I tell you, when folks begin to think you're Jesus, that's on a pretty high level, isn't it? (laughs) In other places, they thought maybe he was Elijah. So how does a big man become small? How do you and I who think so much and so highly of ourselves, how is it that when the word of God gets into our hearts that we can be humbled and that we can become less than our Christ and less than our message? I want to point out to you four or five ways in which the word of God worked into John a blessedness. And how the word of God works into you and I a humility or a blessedness. One man said, you can tell when a Christian is growing in proportion to his growth in grace, he will elevate his master and talk of what he himself was doing less and less. And he will become smaller and smaller in his own esteem until like the morning star he will fade away before the rising S-O-N. God working his word in John 
to make him less than his message. Working his word in you and I to get us out of the way of our message so our message can operate in our lives and our message can operate in the lives of our children and our message can operate in the, in, in the community. Our message can operate in our churches if somehow we could get out of the way of the message. I'm in the opinion that most messes in Baptist churches, we preachers, have got in the way, and that has caused it. We have not allowed the message to do its work. But God has this way of making us less. Now, let me mention them to you as I note this, this John the Baptist and how he said, I must become less. I must decrease so that he must increase. First of all, I want you to notice how the Word of God designs times of stillness. This is one of the ways in which the Word of God keeps us from arising too high for our britches, so to speak. Someone has said one of the best ways to uh, be humble and to, to, to remain humble and to allow Christ to shine is to stay secret as long as you can. Hide yourself. <laughs> you said, preacher, where do you get that? Luke chapter 1 and verse number 80 talking about John the Baptist said, and the child grew and waxed strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his showing unto Israel. Now, they say unto us the, the, uh, that you know Christ's ministry began at 30 and that, that in Bible times that's when your your ministry, and that's when you became qualified as far as a, a ministry is concerned, priesthood, whatever. So it suggests to me that, that John is 30 years old before he preaches his own sermon, his first sermon, 30 years old. There seems to be some... St- Stealed places in his life. And I am of the opinion that the word of God, if it ever gets in you, one of the things that it will do for you is it will take you into some isolated places. It'll take you into some wilderness places. It'll even take you into some prison situations where where there is no one else and there in the stillness and the loneliness, loneliness of just you and God you can find that you are really never alone as He speaks His Word into you. We emphasize a time of stillness, choosing a time to get along with the Lord and, and uh, that may be vital, may be important, but I want to tell you something, whether you do or not, God's got some serious times of stillness that He'll bring you to it whether you want to go or not. He'll lock you up in that wilderness out there and there, there, there will be that stillness that, that is out there. 30 years 
in which it seems as though that, that little old John is just, nothing's really happening. I mean, he's one day old, two days old, three days old, four days old, five. How long is it going to take for this word to develop him? It really doesn't matter because God has him at a place to where he can develop him without the attention and the glory of mankind that would ruin him, keeping him secret. But yet in our day, we're just interested in getting out there in the limelight and, and, uh, and we're interested in things clicking and, and we're interested in getting to top and we're interested in moving up and we're interested in things opening up and we're interested in everything getting, getting on. But where you're at, Tonight is probably the best place in which the Word of God can minister you on the level that you need to be ministered on and that is the humble level, the less level so the Word of God can deliver you for the time of which God is going to allow you to, to work and let that Word work through you. <laughs> that time of which it seems as though nothing's happening. That time of which you seem you can't get anything moving. That time of which you just can't seem to change the heart of that child. Or that time of which it just seems like you, you just can't get any, any distance at all as far as uh, your life is concerned. You're, you're in a time of stillness. Be still and know that I am God. The Lord's Word will design times of stillness those sheep but on that journey home there are those still waters and those pastures of which those sheep are made to lie down and the word of God desires to do a work in our lives but it can only do that work in those, in those places of, of stillness those, those downtime Jeremiah's downtime in the pit Remember that? Reading that where they put him down in the pit. Ezekiel's downtime, 390 days bound. God said, I'll, I'll bind you so you can't move. And 390 days on one side and 40 days on another side. And that was all the Word of God working. <laughs> in the steel places and in the steel processes. Think about Jonah. Three days and three nights and in the belly of the whale. That's the word working. Sure was. Can't deny it. <laughs> we think about the Apostle Paul and his ministry. Probably 35 years of ministry, but I've never figured it out. Has anyone? I don't know. Maybe some have. How, how much of that time was spent doing nothing but sitting in a prison? He spent a lot of time in jail, <laughs> locked up. He couldn't go nowhere. But that was the Word of God working, locking him up where he's at. And though it may not seem that anything's happening, Though there may be seeming to be these still places and these still processes, I promise you that while, while God has you where you're at, the Word is working. 
Because the scripture said, and the child grew and walked waxed strong in the spirit. God was raising him up in the word. Noah's in that ship for a little longer than a year in the storm and the water. But God was on the outside working as he let that sun dry up that water and brought forth that dry ground. God's word working. Jonah's in the belly of that whale. But what made that whale spit him out? God said, it's time to get rid of him. And this whale said, gladly. Down times. Steel times. Lion's dens and fiery furnaces. I like what Thomas Kincaid, the little caption he had on one of his paintings I saw, I've never forgotten, and he said, Keep thy tools ready, the Lord will find thee work. He just got you locked up in stillness. That's the way to keep you down. <laughs> huh? <laughs> Some places in the I guess mental institutions, if they can't keep you down, they put you in a straitjacket. They're going to keep you down. They'll strap you down. You ever felt like the Word of God had you strapped into a situation and you just couldn't unbuckle from it? But somehow you knew God was doing a work there, but you just couldn't figure it out. Such a slow process. Down time. That'll keep you humble. Second way in which God's word works and seems to make us less is not only does he use those, those designing times of stillness, but I think there are those what I call demanding times that are simple. The demanding times that are simple. I mean by that, John was uh, speaking to those that asked him some questions. They said, what sayest thou of thyself? Said, John, this exactly, who are you in this mix and mingle of the events that are taking place? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord as said the prophet Isaiah. And what he is emphasizing unto them and in the other places when he said, I told you I, I am not the Christ. It is amazing that God put so much into a man to do so much, so little a deed. He spent 30 years out there in the wilderness grooming him and raising him in the spirit and instilling the word in him to go out and holler and scream one sermon and I got no evidence he ever had to. Amen. He said, uh, well, I'll be honest with you. Uh, in this scheme, all I am is a voice in the wilderness. He said, I'm not first Baptist material. 
You can look at me and tell me I'm not of the intellectual sort. I know nothing of the fineries of life. <laughs> Can't get away from that. Those bug particles in his teeth. You just look at him and you want to say, John, brush. Would you brush? <laughs> Floss. Floss. <laughs> um, oh, he said, I just, there's only one, one demand of me. I'm not a man of many talents. He said, I can't fix nothing. I can't work on nothing. I can't do nothing. He said, really, all I am is a voice in the wilderness. It has an humbling atmosphere about it in the sense that it has this, this feel about it. This is what it says to me. I don't know what it says to you. It says to me, you know what? Anybody can really do what I'm doing. I mean, all of this is put into John. All of this raising him up by God Almighty. And all he does is he comes out and he said, Prepare the way of the Lord. 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 Until eventually people get tired of it. Somebody asked George Whitfield, said, Why? Why do you always preach when you must be born again? I think he preached it many hundreds of times. He said, because you must be born again. <laughs> I mean, all I do is pray and meditate and study and then just come out here and give it to you. It's such an humbling thing. When I, when I shake hands with people across the country and someone will say, well, I'm a doctor and I'm a lawyer and, and uh, I have been taken to, to, to some very prestigious places across the country with men of, of great stature. And just, but the only thing about it is don't ever get to the place do you think that you can't be replaced because it don't have a whole lot to do with you. <laughs> Nor does it have a lot to do with me. I'm just a voice. <laughs> with an evident an evident lack of high intelligence because you don't need it for what I do you really don't have to be too smart to do what you do and I'm not just talking about preaching it's an unknown thing isn't it? the word of God has a way of making you last don't brag too much what are you doing that's super duper? I didn't think I'd get any shouting out of this series, and I didn't bring it for that. <laughs> this word of God is in us. It's a word that John said is working to, to decrease me so he can be increased. Designing times of stillness with demands that are simple the revelations and the repetitions. Old Joe Parsons said a man, no, I don't care who the preacher is, he only ever had one message. He may say it in different ways, but he's only got one. Isn't that amazing? And I found that true in my life. I've got a message that's in me that was birthed in me, and I'm going to tell you, it just shines in every verse of Scripture that I read, and somehow it's going to come out that way. <laughs> that's pretty simple, ain't it? 
the third thing I want you to notice with me about this matter of, of increasing and decreasing the Word of God working in us, not only designing those, those times of, of stillness, not only the demands that are simple, but there is also the discerning of the Spirit, the discernment of the Spirit. In essence, he's saying anybody can do this. But I notice in another passage of Scripture, the Bible said that they which were sent of the Pharisees, they came to him again. They asked him and said to him, Why baptizest thou then if thou be not the Christ, nor Elias, neither that prophet? And John answering, saying to them, I baptize with water. But there's one that stands among you whom you know not who cometh after me that is preferred before me, whose shoe latchet I am not worthy to unloose. And he goes on to say, I baptize you with water. And he said, he baptizeth you with the Holy Ghost. You see, I sort of think that John's been in this thing. It only took him six months to figure out that this thing was bigger than him. Oh, I can remember the first church I pastored. I mean, it didn't have 40 people way back nestled up in the mountains of uh, North Carolina as far back as you can go. I thought, man, this will be a piece of cake. They ain't never had nobody like me. And 40 people. It wasn't long till they about had me to a place I didn't even believe in God. <laughs> I found myself out just saying, Oh, God, I can't handle this. I, I can't do this. Oh, this is too much for me. I don't know what I'd have done if I'd have been Moses looking at millions. I said, I don't want nothing bigger. I don't want, I can't do that. This party's got me in. But what it was is I began to realize my 10-cent sermons wasn't going to do the job. My personality just wasn't getting out there. <laughs> and lo and behold, some of them didn't like me. Some of the 40 didn't like me. That's crushing, isn't it? <laughs> and old John, he'd get out there and, and they'd come down to him and he'd baptize him. They come to him and baptize. He went through that thing, baptizing, 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 baptizing. And he watched them when they went out on the other side, and he saw them after that in the towns and everything else. And he could tell this much: there wasn't a bit of difference in them after he baptized them than what there was before. You say, how do you know? Because he told them. He said, I'm going to tell you something. I found out that all I can do is do a little preaching and baptizing, but what we need around here is the Holy Ghost. I really ain't making a whole lot of difference. I'm not making no headway with this crowd. We ain't getting nowhere. I'm just dunking a bunch of people. But he said, I'm going to tell you this much. There's one among us. that He's got more than just a little sermon and a song. He's got the Holy Ghost. And he can baptize you with that. Blessed be the day when you find out your great need 
and how humbling it is to realize that you're not as strong as Jesus. And you can't save a soul and you can't change a heart and you can't comfort an individual and you can't minister and you can't change a mind. You can't do anything. And we can go through the religious uh, motions and we can obey and we can do what the Word tells us to do. But we need to know and the Word of God will let us know that this is not just a word from lips or black on white, but it is the sword of the Spirit. John said, I won't see no difference around here until the Spirit gets in this thing. And the Holy Ghost began to show me through my little 10 cent sermons that I wasn't accomplishing anything. And I said, Oh God, would you birth a word in me and bring that word out? That that word of Christ, that magnifying of Christ, would change these hearts. Because I found out. It's beyond me. I found that out with my children. I started out, I could have wrote a book before I had any. Have you ever sensed that by the word, very word of God itself that you're not capable of even, you, you, you don't have the answers even for those children. You can teach them all you want to, but if the Holy Ghost, and you should, but if the Holy Ghost don't stir that in there by the Spirit of God. Amen. It ain't going to work. Amen. But John, he's less because of that discerning spirit. He said, I realize on one hand that anybody could do this as far as the outward motion of, of hollering and screaming. But he said, on the other hand, I realize nobody can do this. Nobody can. Isn't it amazing how the Word of God can teach you those things that will cause you to humble yourself? Designing times of stillness, demands that are simple. Discernment of the And then one that I think we can all bear witness with is how that the Word of God at times will cause in our lives that there will be a, a deference or a deferring of success. B.R. Lakin said that Every now and then in your church, you ought to just walk in and point out a man, pull a man out and demote him. Just pick one out and demote him. And if he gets mad, that proves he shouldn't have been promoted to start with. <laughs> well, what are you in this thing for anyhow? So you can have something big, something bright. So you can shine, everybody can see you and hear your little message and be a part of your little ministry and we can all be sucked into your world? Or this is a word about Christ and a word about His exaltation and His magnification. 
Well, if it is, then it's going to be proven out in times of which you get demoted. And brethren and sisters, it's going to happen. There will be those times of which the Word of God in your life will defer success somewhere else. Now, it's awful easy to be sweet and love and be so spiritual when everything's happening at your house. And everything's working good among your, in your family. And, and everything's just so smooth at, the, at, at your job. And, and everything's just so great in, in your life. I see it. Preach somewhere about it every week of the year. And I can look in the preacher's face when I pull up as to how much success he's having. Hey, preacher. <laughs> Praise God, we had 50 over we ever had before. Offering was what we think about building another building. Why? Well, we just got the money. It's coming in. It's just wonderful around here. Hmm. And that's all right if God does bless, and He does. But how is it when uh, you pull up? And you look the preacher in the eyes and said, I don't know what kind of meeting we'll have here this week. Yeah, we had a fuss last week and there's about 35 left. We got 25 hit here. <laughs> oh, I've had that happen. I showed up to preach a meeting and the, and the pastor came up just before I got up to preach. He said, I don't know if I ought to tell you this or not. <laughs> I said, what is it? He said, we had a split last night. That was Sunday night. This is Monday night. I said, no, you shouldn't have told me. <laughs> I read it in the text. They came to John and, and they said, John, you know the one that you, you baptized over there uh, with water? I said, did, did, did you know? Did you know? And previously the Bible said all men came to John. But said, did you know that he's, he's starting his own church now? Now them rumors are. <laughs> he's starting his own church, and did you know that he's baptizing more people? Everybody's going to his church now. <laughs> the crowd had left John. He noticed it didn't they didn't have to tell him that. He noticed there wasn't nobody in line much. I didn't bother him. He said, man, praise God, I can get back to the bugs and honey pretty quick today. There ain't nobody here. <laughs> ain't your business to worry about the line anyway. He said, ain't nobody here. The crowd is gone. Even the converts, those that he saw promise in, they were over there. Everybody had moved over now and was clamoring around Jesus. And John said, I'm going to tell you something. It's something you don't understand. I didn't come down here to be the show. All I was was a voice. He gave me a voice. And he said... I must decrease 
and he must increase. He said, I'm not even worthy to unloose his shoes. That's where the glory belongs anyhow. Let him have it. A deference of the success. When things are not going well, and it seems like they're being they're they're being blessed more over here than what they are at your place, and that lets you know how much flesh you really are. Now, let's, does it bother you when it seems as though that Christ is blessing someone else's family, maybe in a little different way than yours? Preacher says, it, does, it, does it bother you to realize that the church down the street seems to be moving better than yours? What he's trying to do is decrease us. And the only way he can do that is to defer things. But understand now, any time, any time the Word of God in your life, understand this now, any time the Word of God in your life is decreasing you, you mark it down and rejoice somewhere He's being increased. That's the blessedness of the whole matter. I must decrease, but if He decreases, Christ will increase. Will be lifted up. You know, uh, I was thinking about John's closing out of his ministry. It didn't seem to be a high point. The doubts that he seemed to show. He's sitting over there in prison again. He's in a, he's in a still time and, and, and his mind is sort of playing games with him. And he calls some of the remaining disciples that he has. He's only got a few. And he says to them, I, I want you to do me a favor. And how humbling do you think this was? When he said to them, I want you to go ask the man that I baptized if he is the Christ. There's something about that that I love. There is a transparency that is in it. You see, the Word of God will work in your heart and in your life. And in in these times of deference when he's trying to magnify Christ... It seems as though that you will at times be seen as the person you really are. Think about it. This great man of God called out of the wilderness and now he seems to be in a cloud of doubt. And and not only does his few disciples see this, but it is written in Scripture. And we all have seen the question mark that is there. We put a little bit too much premium on this matter of what this world thinks about us. It's what God knows that counts. 
And there are times you have to operate in realms that you'd rather not operate in. But if we're not careful in those times of which we're so weak and we have our doubts and we're operating in those realms, what we will do is try to help the situation out by covering it up and looking sort of spiritual. But don't misunderstand me. The Word of God and Christ Himself could have kept Him from being in that prison and in that condition had He wanted to. And the Word of God can keep you from these circumstances and situations to where these weaknesses seem to shine through you. But God wants you to know how less you are and He wants everybody else to know how less you are. To find out that your preacher really is just a man. And yet to be able to receive the word of God through him is one of the most blessed things that can happen in your life. To be able to minister to one another, but yet if we're, if we're in each other's presence long enough to realize that there are, there are some things about us that show how weak we are and how frail we are but even in the midst of it it seems to show a very a, a very reflection on the on the bigness of Christ you see let me let me close it with this thought in mind When you decrease, somewhere he is increasing. Because while John is in that prison in doubt, Christ is out there ministering that same word that he is. It hasn't failed any at all. It's still operating. My confidence is not in me. It's in the word of Christ and Christ himself. At times you'll fail that congregation. At times you'll fail that family at times you'll fail yourself and you'll see those things those transparent things but yet the word of God continues to operate and continues to work and Christ continues to be exalted John is so less by the design of God that he's just sort of cast aside by the ministry itself and the, the crowd that would follow him. He's sitting over there in prison. He has become less that Christ might be exalted. But here's what I want to emphasize in closing. You may become less in yourself than you should. And you may become less as far as this world is concerned. And you should and God will make sure that you do. But I'm going to tell you something. You will never become less for Christ but what He won't make and turn it into more on your behalf. I think Brother Bob emphasized this but, but I emphasize it again. In whose sight do you want to be more? Isn't it amazing? He said, I must decrease, I must become less. But yet Christ, in His message, the Son of God, in His message, told everybody there, 
that the biggest guy out here since a man was born a woman was John the Baptist. <laughs> now, that's pretty big, isn't it? I'm going to tell you, I'm not so concerned about what you think about me. And we shouldn't be so concerned about what each other think about each other and, and in our competition in this little religious world. But I'll tell you what we ought to concentrate on is what does he think about us? Amen. If he had a word to say about us, what would he say about us? <laughs> He's sitting over in prison. And Jesus said, I'm going to tell you something. That fellow's sitting over in prison. And you all don't realize it and you ain't claiming to him. He's talking about humanity. He said he's the greatest born among women. We're going to be surprised when we get to heaven to find out who's big. Heaven will tell us who was big. And I'm convinced that all of us preachers are going to be in the back of the line stepping up and looking over, seeing them little old saints as they go through. Locked up in these little hollers and little veils and these little old houses that nobody knows anything about and all they can do is just pray their way through. Honor God, the Lord. Seeing every bit of that. Seeing the widow's might that nobody else sees. But here's, here's what gets me. I'm talking about this matter of how John is so less, but in, in the sight of Christ, he is so more as far as his message is concerned. But as far as Christ's ministry is concerned, I believe that Jesus on that day did something for John that he's never done for anybody else on this earth. It's of that magnitude. You show me another place in Scripture where Jesus called together the lame, the blind, the halt, the withered, and you can look at it there in the text where it enumerates. And this is at that same time when they sent and said, John, Jesus wants to know. He's asking a question. And there, John said, hold it a minute. Stop everything. Bring that blind man over here. Bring that, halt. Bring that man over here that can't hear. Bring that man over here that can't speak. Bring all of those sick people over here. I don't know the number of them, but he said, bring them over here. And he said, today, I want to do something just for John. Just for John. You think about that. And just for John, he gave sight to some that was blind. He said, go tell John, I gave sight to the blind. He touched somebody's ears. They said, praise God. And he said, go tell John, I gave someone the ability to hear. And he, as someone that couldn't walk, he, he lifted him up and he went all praising God. And he said, go tell John I give somebody the ability to walk. Miracle after miracle. And they sent, went back. And can you imagine when they went back in, they said, John, that's him. Amen. I know it's him, boy. Don't worry about it. Say, so, you know it was him. He said he, he just said you go tell John. And said, John, I saw him when he he gave sight to the blind and and he healed the leper and and those that were withered. He said, Lord, I, I saw all of this, John. And he said, he said, John, he did all that just for you. Locked up in your little prison, just for John. You know anybody else? In Scripture, you ever done that for? To that magnitude, just for John. And here's the thing that amazes me. 
is the times in my stillness and my simplicity and my deference of the successes in the times in my life when I seem to be so low when Jesus will do something and he'll say, just for Dana. Here's what I think of you. Just for Bill. Just for John. I just want you to know I love you. As Brother Bob preached on this morning, I appreciate it. I know where you're at down there, John. It's not the will of the word I'd be down there physically, but John, I just want to send you word. I'm going to show you some magnificent things locked up in prison. And all I'm going to tell you, yes, the road is long, and sometimes those motels and whatever get dreary, and yes, sometimes I get in some stumps, can't seem to plow the whole week. But it is so refreshing. While he's humbling me, it seems as though that he exalts me and makes me feel so special just for you. Can I give you an illustration of that? It's a simple one. Minor. But yet it overwhelmed me lately. It's recently. I mean, what we mean to Christ is all that counts anyhow. And just to hear his word (laughs) saying to us, I know where you're at. And I know the journey that you've had to trod. And I know it's been a lowly one. But I want you to know 